This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. 29 minutes past the hour. We're sure glad to be with you this morning on Real Presence Live. Our next topic is one that everyone in the news knows about, the coronavirus. While stores continue to sell out of toilet paper and sanitizing items, there is a question amidst what seems like mass hysteria. Is any of this reaction reasonable? Our next guest is here to break down the facts. Fiction. Good morning, Dr. Paul Carson. Good morning, Father Tim, and good morning, Matt. Thanks for being us with us. Thanks for being on Real Presence Live, that is. Dr. Carson, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Sure. Uh, My background is that I'm a physician. My specialty is in infectious diseases. And uh, about seven years ago, I moved over into academia, where I work now at North Dakota State University in the Department of Public Health. And I teach graduate students and do research on management of infectious diseases in public health. You know, every day we hear something new about the coronavirus and how it's spreading in the United States. But let's just let's for a moment go back to the beginning. What is coronavirus? Sure. So coronavirus is a a virus that actually is pretty common. There was four coronaviruses that circulate amongst the population most of the time. In fact, most of your listeners have probably had a coronavirus infection at some time in their life. It's one of the most common causes of the common cold. Um, However, there have been uh, now three new or novel coronaviruses that have popped up since about 2004, the first being SARS, um, which we saw in 2004 coming out of China again and rapidly spreading around the world. And that particular coronavirus was behaved differently than the ones that we typically have seen circulating um, amongst us on a regular basis causing the cold. Um, Then came after that the MERS, or Middle East Respiratory Syndrome virus, uh, mainly out of the Middle East. Both of those were not very contagious, very, very uh, deadly, but not very contagious. And now we have the third sort of novel or new coronavirus coming on the scene. All three of these uh, are thought to have emerged out of an animal uh, uh, reservoir and then mutated enough to be able to infect human beings. And because it's new enough to us, it uh, tends to cause more uh, disease and damage. Now, Dr. Paul Carson, you are an infectious disease and public health specialist in Fargo. I'm, I'm sure you've been getting inundated with questions regarding this pandemic. How does this coronavirus or COVID-19, how does this compare with regular influenza? Yeah, that's, a, that's I think, a really helpful comparison to put things into context. So uh, there's two key numbers uh, that we like to hone in on to get a sense of how significant the impact may be. One is the uh, cumulative attack rate, or really how many people are going to get infected with this over you know, a, a measured uh, period of time. And then the second is uh, the case fatality rate, or more commonly talked about as the mortality rate. And so the cumulative attack rate, or the number of people that typically get infected in a flu season um, with influenza, is somewhere between 5 to 20% of the population. So almost a fifth of the population every year gets influenza. Pretty contagious, uh, pretty common. We don't know yet what the cumulative attack rate or the overall infection rate is going to be from this new coronavirus. Uh, you, you can hear experts 
all over the map, saying maybe 10% of the population, and you've heard maybe some people saying up to 70% of the population. We know that most of us are probably susceptible, but then it depends on just how contagious it is. I tend to think that it's not going to be as bad as the as the you know most dire predictions of the 50, 60, 70% of the population. Don't know for sure what the answer is there, but the reason I say I don't think it will be quite that bad is because we have some information on what we call secondary attack rates. That is like how many people in a household get sick from one person coming into that house. So if, you know, the mother or father comes into the house with coronavirus, how many people in the house will get it? Uh, Looks like it's about 7%. Um, Not everybody in the house. Uh, In fact, not even the majority. When you compare that with influenza, it's about 20 to 30 percent of household members will come down with it if one person brings it into the house. So that makes it look like it's a little less contagious uh, than influenza. But then when we look at the uh, mortality rate, um, there is a substantial difference there. So influenza will typically kill about one out of a thousand people. Uh, Coronavirus at best is probably somewhere around six to eight out of a thousand people. I think that's probably the closer to the truth or um, for its lethality, because we've got some very good information now out of South Korea who are testing lots of people. So they're testing more of the full spectrum of disease, and that's what they're finding there. The initial numbers that came out of China, where there was 3 to 4 percent uh, or 30 to 40 out of 1,000 uh, dying from this, really because they, it was because they were overwhelmed at the beginning and they didn't have enough ventilators to take care of the really sick people and uh, they weren't testing the more mild cases. So just to back that up, um, I think hopefully uh, less, a little less contagious than influenza, but it's more uh, deadly or more uh, lethal. Not anywhere near as lethal as SARS and MERS were. Those were like 10 to 30% mortality rate. So it's serious. We need to take it serious. But I don't think it's, uh, you know, the bubonic plague moving through Europe in the, in the you know, uh, 1300s. I think, Dr. Paul Carson, that a lot of folks, in, at least in the northern hemisphere, are hoping to kind of ride out the storm until things get warmer. You know, you being in Fargo, that might take a while. But, uh, <laughs> That's right. Um, you're not that far off in South Dakota, but <laughs> you're right. Is this a reasonable line of thought? I mean, it, does this coronavirus, is this affected negatively by warmer temperatures? Yeah, it's a good question. And um, I think there's reason to be cautiously optimistic there as well. But the truth of the matter is, is we don't know for sure. But um, here's, here's what I look at that kind of helps me uh, assess that. Um, influenza typically, you know, goes away in the summertime or, or markedly drops for two reasons, uh, we think. Uh, one is that school is out. And so um, kids, which are really the big reservoir with influenza, they're kind of little incubators of influenza, and they're the main spreaders in our communities. When school is out, they're not congregating together. They're not passing it on to each other. They're more spread out, and so things tend to die down. We also uh, think that uh, influenza doesn't survive as well in warmer temperatures and more hum- and higher humidity. It's not really known about that with coronavirus, but we can expect that uh, with kids being out of school, whatever role they play with transmission will will diminish. Um, we don't know if it's as affected by ambient temperature and humidity as the influenza is. But we did see with SARS, for example, when that outbreak took, took off, it really kind of ended at the beginning of June. Uh, now, they were putting a lot of control measures in, but that was also the start of summer. And so 
I think there is some reason to be hopeful that summer will bring us some relief. I was in the uh, pharmacy locally um, Friday, and there's a sign right when you come in, and uh, granted it's been there probably since this past fall, uh, saying get your flu shot. So is that something you could speak on at this point for those that may have not? Well, I preach and preach and preach on this um, most of the time, and one of the big frustrations for us in infectious disease and in public health is how cavalier actually many of us are about the flu shot. So we, you know, so far, coronavirus has killed about somewhere around 6,000 people worldwide. Uh, influenza in the United States alone uh, killed about 35,000 people last year, killed 61,000 uh, the year before that. That's like a guarantee every year. And yet about half of the population who's eligible for a flu shot doesn't get it. Um, we still have a raging flu epidemic. It's been one of the longest drawn-out flu seasons we've seen in a number of years. If you haven't gotten your flu shot, please go get it. We're speaking this morning with Dr. Paul Carson. He is an infectious disease and public health specialist in Fargo. And we're talking about the coronavirus, COVID-19. And that's a great um, analysis there to put things in perspective, you know, compared with the regular influenza. What is the biggest reasonable concern, Dr. Paul, with coronavirus at this point? Yeah, so there's been one concern that I've had all along and, and one other concern that I've really kind of evolved my thinking on just in the last uh, few days or the last week. So the one concern that I've had all along is I'm very concerned for our uh, elderly and for our, uh, you know, family members and loved ones and community members who have underlying medical conditions. We know from both Italy and China that the mortality rate uh, really goes up a lot uh, once you get beyond the age of 60 or 70. Uh, so looking at the data out of, more recently out of Italy, the vast majority of people uh, that have been hospitalized there have been people over the age of 60, and the vast majority of the deaths have been in people over 60 years, over 70 years old. So we, we see maybe at most uh, about two out of a thousand deaths um, in people under the age of 40 starts to pick up a little bit in our 50s. By the time you're 80, uh, the mortality rate is over 15%. And so we really want to be very vigilant and take very good care of our senior citizens, our grandparents, uh, and our, our family members and loved ones who have underlying medical conditions, which is another risk factor. So in Fargo here, we've been really restricting visitors into our nursing homes. Uh, my parents are in an assisted living facility. Uh, they've locked that down, essentially, um, and I think those are appropriate measures. I think we need to be extremely vigilant not to be introducing illness into those facilities. The second concern I have is that and this is one that I've evolved on. I was, I was more, if you would have talked to me a week ago, like we can sort of stage our concerns, stage our interventions, depending on what level of activity we see in the community. I don't think that anymore. Uh, just some very recent reports that have come out of Italy have, have been in, on our physician blogs that, uh, you know, directors of intensive care units there have said they became overwhelmed. I mean, they saw exponential growth hit them very quickly in one to two weeks to where their hospitals were completely overwhelmed um, with elderly patients, for the most part, in respiratory failure with not enough nurses, not enough doctors, not enough ICU beds, not enough ventilators. And they begged the rest of the world to pay heed, to try your utmost to prevent it from getting into your community in the first place so that you don't surge, which we talk about now, a surge. 
Um, and even if we may, even if we can't prevent all the infections out there, if we can what we call flatten the curve, so it's not a big spike up, but we stretch it out over time so that our healthcare uh, providers and our uh, healthcare facilities can manage the cases, we will fare much, much better. And that's one of my big concerns right now. You're tuned in to Real Presence Live. We have with us Dr. Paul Carson, an infectious disease and public health specialist located in Fargo. And uh, we're with uh, also here in studio, St. Charles Borough Mayo. I'm Father Tim Beeren, along with Matt Wilcom. You know, uh, our talking points to prepare for this show were prepared last week, uh, Dr. Uh, Carson. And so obviously things have changed, you know, not only by day, but really by hour. So, um, you know, some of our, our initial thoughts that we shared with you have even changed. So, uh, again, uh, just as a reminder, nevertheless, for people, we've seen the responses of schools closings, you know, major league sports postponing seasons, parades canceled, all of these things. So is this... Uh, the media triggering overreaction, or is this necessary? Again, just let us know. Yeah, and uh, you are absolutely right. This is a, a, a situation that's just not only changing by the day, but by the hour. I spent essentially the entire weekend on uh, phone calls with our state health department and representatives from our governor's office. I'm, I, I serve as an advisor to our state health department and uh, on communicable diseases to um, our uh, state government. And um, I, my thinking, as I said, has evolved on this, where I've, I believe now is the time to be very aggressive. And uh, I didn't think that even a week ago. I, I thought that we could sort of stage this. But what I saw with these completely distraught doctors in Italy um, trying to manage the surge of cases, I'm, I'm very determined to do whatever we can to prevent that type of a surge. I still think that, you know, we're not going to see enormous numbers of cases but will we and 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 the you know the worst case scenarios that are out there but i do fear that we could see a spike that comes very quickly that stretches our uh, healthcare system to breaking points and if we can do anything to stretch that out we should be and that is social distancing um canceling unnecessary events uh, not now the CDC is recommending not congregating in groups larger than 50 people. We've canceled our university. Uh, we, we just canceled, and I know you were a bit ahead of us on this, uh, K-12 through 12, uh, has just been uh, canceled. I think these are appropriate measures now. I don't think they're going to stretch out for hopefully prolonged periods of time. But if, if we get criticized for doing too much to avoid what's happened in Italy and South Korea and China, so be it. I, I think we're willing to take that criticism. We know that this is uh, this is short-term pain, hopefully, hopefully short-term. We know this is difficult for a lot of uh, parents and workers and providers and their family, but we think this is important uh, to be doing at this time. At this point, our own diocese of Winona, Rochester, our own Bishop John Quinn has dispensed Catholics from the obligation to attend Mass, uh-huh. even though Masses will continue to be said, held, at the regular times throughout the diocese. This could change at some point. Uh, we just don't know. But uh, I was just texting back and forth with my uh, with our IT specialist here at the diocese because uh, I'm the communications director, and we're in charge uh, partly of the televised mass. And I was just telling him 
I, I never thought that our televised mass would become so relevant. N never in my wildest dreams would I have <laughs> imagined that we could be in this situation uh, where so many people would be de depending on, on our televised mass. Uh, but also RPR is a great resource, Real Presence Radio, Broadcasting Masses, EWTN is also a, a wonderful resource as far as that to stay spiritually connected. And Dr. Paul Carson, what else should our attitude be toward the coronavirus? Yeah, I, I appreciate those uh, comments, and I think to me this is one of the most challenging aspects of it because, and you can speak to this much better than I can theologically, but, you know, we as Christians uh, and we as Catholics you know, take to heart the idea of we are one body, a body of Christ, and that our our meaning as human beings really comes in large extent in our relationships with one another. And then when we start talking about measures that separate us, you know, keep six feet apart, don't go near each other, um, you know, even sort of in the back of your mind, is my neighbor an existential threat to me? That That's a very difficult thing for at least me and I think many others to process as Catholics and as Christians. And, and of course, in times of stress or anxiety or uh, suffering, you know, we turn to our faith uh, to, to have purpose and meaning and comfort and to not be able to do those rhythms of life, like going to Mass and receiving the sacraments, I think is, is a big challenge. I think it is appropriate for dioceses, and I know there are many of them now that are looking at suspending mass and services for uh, for whatever period of time. I think it is appropriate, but you know, my wife, who's also a physician, has been talking for a while about wanting to like make a retreat in our own home. You know, that might be a good thing to do right now: is uh, make a little quiet spiritual retreat in your own home, and maybe kind of pull pull back and you know work on your interior life and. Um, and I appreciate the fact that you have uh, televised mass available. I think that's uh, excellent, and I think people need to partake of that more. Uh, but maybe you can comment too, Father, on you know what is our obligation for receiving Eucharist and uh, and um, what that entails. Absolutely, we call it a spiritual communion. And the reality, if we cannot receive the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, that we can find ourselves um, partaking in a spiritual communion. So, really finding ourselves um, as a family, whether we're going to watch it, um, you know, at a scheduled time on a local station, or whether we're going to uh, bring it up uh, at a time that's convenient for our family at home. But really, to set aside that time and 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 to pray uh, the Mass and to be present, even though you will not be physically receiving the Lord in the sacrament knowing that there's that longing in your heart to receive him and with that great faith know you will receive him and and again that's why we want to encourage people in this regard so you know and to take that time i i said earlier um dr carson that the domestic church the the moms and dads this is going to be your time to shine this is going to be your time to lead your children uh forward not with fear but again with trust in the lord and and to keep that faith and and i truly truly believe that this is our opportunity to grow in faith as well I couldn't agree more, and I, I, I like that idea of uh, families. This is our time to be the domestic church. One of the things that I find also helpful to me when I do Eucharistic adoration, I like to use uh, Father Jacques Philippe's uh, spiritual meditations, and uh, and he has a little booklet on searching for and maintaining peace, and that we can be very confident that no matter what comes our way, God is in charge. God uh, um, can use any of the situations to our betterment and to our good, and, and that we can let nothing really disturb our peace if we rely on Him. 
We're speaking this morning with Dr. Paul Carson on Real Presence Live. Dr. Carson is an infectious disease and public health specialist in Fargo, talking about the coronavirus epidemic, pandemic that is, and um, we have been uh, we we have also wanted to let people know that both of the interviews with Dr. Paul Carson on Dr. Doctor from the past two Sundays are available on our app under podcasts and special events on our website under podcasts and audio highlights. And this just in, the Diocese of Fargo's Redeemed Women's Conference set for next Friday, Saturday, has been canceled due to coronavirus precautions. And so they're waiting on word on a possible date of rescheduling. And so, of course, we'll share that once we know more. Dr. Paul Carson, we have just a few minutes left with you on Real Presence Live as we continue to talk about this pandemic of coronavirus and how it's affecting our everyday lives here in the U.S., Maybe we can address this issue of when we go to the store, there are certain items that people seem to be just buying up and some even hoarding for fear that they might not be available. Is this a rational thing to be doing? Is this reasonable or is it kind of overblown? I, I Personally, I think this is overblown and it's a, a bit confusing and a little bit distressing to me. Um, I don't uh I think it's reasonable to, you know, buy groceries and supplies to think about what if my workplace like my my workplace just said is try to do your best to work from home now. So if I have to sort of hunker down in my home for a couple of weeks, uh it, it might be reasonable to have a couple of weeks worth of uh supplies, but to be but to be doing this hoarding, one, it doesn't quite make sense to me. There's no uh, big threat to the supply chain on most of those kinds of uh, items. And two, I think it really sort of breaks the idea of solidarity with one another, that we, we're taking more than our due and we're, we're you know, looking out for ourselves uh, more than is just to, to kind of our neighbors. And uh, I would really encourage people not to do that. So uh, currently, my understanding is the CDC has recommended no gatherings larger than 50. Uh, uh, we're interviewing on the 16th of March here. Uh, is that the current status, doctor? Can you uh, confirm that? Yes, that's correct. And, I, and, I, and you know, they, they choose a number and they kind of draw a line because you've got to draw a line somewhere. But the truth of the matter is, is that you know, you can imagine risk just goes up with the more the more or the higher number of people that you're around and congregating with, the more the risk. So, uh, you know, a big parade or a, a big sporting event is going to be more risk than uh, a dinner party uh, with a couple of friends. But um, but we want to minimize that gathering as much as possible. And the CDC is kind of putting a line at 50. Getting back to the issue of, of church and going to mass, uh, you know, if you're if you are still doing that and your diocese is still um, continuing with uh, mass and services, my recommendation would be really to try and spread out. I mean, the idea is to keep about six feet from each other, and that's to prevent this droplet spread that we talk about, which is, you know, when people call for, call for sneeze, you can eject droplets that move about three to five feet um, and that's one of the big ways that uh, the, the virus can be transmitted. More importantly than that, if you're sick, don't go out. Don't don't be mixing with people. I mean, really try and take seriously um, your own health and your own symptoms, and then doing our best to you know not expose each other. I, I think is important. 
you've obviously alluded to the exposure within families, which is going to be, you know, different, obviously, uh, family to family. Um, one of the things that frustrates me as a pastor is when I, from, you know, from the pulpit, share, you know, uh, verbally share a sign of peace, you know, as an example. And it almost seems as if some people are purposefully uh, rejecting that request. And so husbands kissing wives, you know, which I completely get that, you know, and I don't want to take away that. But again, can you speak on that? Uh, just so I'm clear, you're, you're saying people kind of, uh, pe- people ignoring the... So, the... so what happens is families may not, ign- families may ignore that request, you I know, see. so, yeah. 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 Uh, that's an interesting uh, question. I, I think maybe as as just sort of a show of solidarity, an example, I think it it would be wise for us to you know, forego that even amongst our own family members. But the truth of the matter is, is if you're you're living in the same house, you know, you're you are being pretty exposed to each other. Um, I think the most important thing is if you have any hint of any symptoms of a respiratory tract infection, is to be really trying to distance yourself from anyone, particularly your loved ones. So one of the things that our, our, you know, parishioners have been given a suggestion is, you know, we can't go to the nursing homes, we can't go to assisted livings. Let's uh, send them cards. Is that a good idea right now or not? Yeah, I think that's fine. I think if, you know, people are worried about a card maybe being a vector, like, you know, virus being transmitted on that, that's pretty unlikely. Um, I might not be, you know, sending packages of something if I'm sick and coughing and sneezing on the thing. But but sending a letter or a card, I think, poses virtually no risk, and I think that's a great idea. I've also been, um, you know, talking with like my own parents um, in their assisted living facility on, you know, if there if there's ways to get like you know uh, access to a computer with a webcam or an iPad or a, a tablet where they can you know virtually connect with their family through you know Skype or FaceTime or one of these other media. Uh, that's a beautiful example and a, and a great reminder to stay connected. You know, we're in this together, so what a great gift that is. Yes. We have just about a minute here left with uh, Dr. Paul Carson, and uh, we just wanted to let people know that you can listen to this program. This, If you missed this interview uh, on the coronavirus, you can go to realpresencelive.com and find it later on. realpresenceradio.com, that is, and find it. Thank you so much, Father, or I keep calling people Father when they're doctors. <laughs> and Dr. Paul Carson for joining us. He's an infectious disease um, um, and public health specialist in Fargo. Thanks for covering the facts and fiction about this, what this disease is, how it's spreading, and what everyone needs to know about prevention and treatment. Very glad to be with you. Thank you. We are at 56 minutes past the hour, and that means... We go to Eli for a preview of the next Real Presence Live. Eli. Alrighty, thanks, Matt. Here's what's coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That's going to be tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, hosted by Jack and Doreen Canelli. They'll be right here in our Fargo studios. How can music help us enter deeper into Lent? That's the question we'll pose to Dr. Jay Hirschberger. He's the choir director at St. Mary's Cathedral here in Fargo. And... He's preparing to enter the church this Easter. We'll find out what led Brady Anderson to the RCIA program and what he's most looking forward to about being a Catholic. Plus, Father Greg Greg Luger will will be talking about, well, did God literally create the world in seven days? It's an interesting topic. We'll dive into this with with Father Greg Luger of the Diocese of Bismarck.
And then just a reminder to everyone, of course, that the Diocese of Fargo's Redeemed Women's Conference that was set for next Friday, Saturday, has been canceled due to coronavirus precautions. And we're awaiting word on a possible date of rescheduling. And we'll let everybody know about that when we know more. Back to you. Thank you so much, Eli. And uh, you can listen again to any of these segments of Real Presence Live at our website, realpresenceradio.com. And just to get back to the liturgy question uh, regarding the sign of peace, Father, that we have just kind of uh, covered a little bit about people kind of willfully disregarding the the directive of, of not to physically uh, do that during Mass, the sign of peace. I know I've seen some parishes who uh, they just dispense with it altogether and they move com- just from the Our Father right into the Agnus Dei. Is that, is that an option for that? That certainly right is parishes? an option. That's a, that's a preference um, option for me in particular. The reason it doesn't currently work is because we're creatures of habit and my liturgical musicians there's that th- that extreme pause that happens before they come in with the Agnus Dei, the Lamb of God, and in that awkward pause people begin to uh, make the sign of peace even without a saying of that. So I think that's even more dangerous so, sure. you know, you really have to coordinate that with your liturgical musicians, or you certainly, um, as the pastor, would want to uh, begin that yourself. Sure. But absolutely. I do think that actually would be a better, and, and that's a, a, an opinion, of course, but that would be a better precaution at this time. Sure. Well, the main thing to remember in all of this is to be not afraid, right? Father Buren, you said you're not afraid of this pandemic not afraid i am certainly certainly not afraid and again so grateful for people that are reasonable like uh, you know our our guests that have been on with us today regardless of what's going on we we continue to live our life we live for jesus the sacramental life of the church we take precautions when necessary but it's good to remember matthew 6 27 when our lord said and can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life. Just keep that in the back of your minds. I'm Father Tim Beeren. I'm Matt Wilkham. More to life next. Thanks for joining us. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast anytime of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.